Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here is one of our leaders, Sam Kayhart. Welcome to Refuge Church. My name is Sam Kayhart, and I am one of the young adult leaders here at Refuge. And I'm come today to just be one of your speakers. So, Pastor has given me the, the ability and the blessing to come up here and speak to you guys. And I just want to welcome to you if this is your first time here. We love that you're here, and we want this experience to be the best church experience you've ever seen in your life. Uh, God has come into the service. You can feel him in the worship. His presence is here. His power is here, and he wants to touch your life today. And I just want to ask you to open up areas in your life today that maybe you've never opened up. And what that looks like for you might be different than what it looks like for somebody else. Maybe it's just opening your ears to hear Maybe it's just opening your eyes to see. Maybe it's allowing God to speak into a dark place in your life that you never allow God into before. Maybe it's, maybe it's giving him the keys to areas in your life that you don't want to be touched. Maybe it's crying. Maybe it's becoming to a humble place and allowing God to move in your heart this morning. We are in a series today throughout the rest of the summer, I think for the most part, called Core Values. And we're talking about the core values of the church and how those core values aren't just something that are part of the church, but they're part of our lives as we attend this church, as we, as we go out into the community, as we go to our jobs and we work. Core values are something that mean a lot to us. I've got a little excerpt here. It says that core values are principles that guide internal conduct, behavior, and actions, as well as relationships with the external world. They're values and principles that guide us to be able to operate in an external world that maybe not, does not have core values. And I would, I would tell you today that this world that, that is around us has lost sight of what a core value is, or what a moral value is. And we begin to put our own identities on the things that we think are right and that we think are okay. And if it's okay to me, then it's okay. Whether it's cutting someone down at work, whether it's lifting yourself up and, and, and taking away the money of someone else or whatever it is, even coming down to murder, murder of children, murder of spouses, murder, murder of people that have hurt you in some way, shape, or maybe even murder of parents. This is where we come today. We've come to a moral aspect. We've, we've lost all value to life, to, to human life. Our core values are skewed. They don't, they don't line up anymore to what it means to actually be a human or a child of God. We have lost view of what it really means to live in a world that was created for us so that we can have effect in it. And today we're going to talk about a core value called peacemakers in a world at war. And in Refuge Church, a big thing of what we believe in is being peacemakers. Speaking peace in the lives of others. Speaking peace into areas of conflict that need resolution. Sometimes we, we see marriages that are breaking, that are, that are being torn down, and we come alongside and we will speak peace. And sometimes that's not pretty. And the reason that it says peacemakers in a world at war is because sometimes peacemaking involves some war. And the world around us is so warring against itself and warring against the Christian way of living and warring against the God that created them 
That we have to have the ability to speak into their lives. We have to have the ability to plant something that has consistency, that has power, that has the ability to change what has been basically made a whole different definition. We have taken life in itself and we have defined it to be something else than the creation of God. We have taken it and made it something that we think is our own. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much for your power in this place today. I thank you so much for the words that you're going to speak, Father. That you would use my lips and my lips only. That that there would be no words of my own, Father, Lord, but that your spirit would come. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place right now. And we ask, Lord, that you would move across this auditorium, that you would touch every heart and every soul, that you would open every eye and every ear, and, Lord, that you would speak to us in a way that allows us to be free in your name. And, Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us a new way of living, a new way of speaking, a new way of, of, of allowing your power to flow through us. And, Lord, that you would give us the ability to be the vessels that you have called us to be. That we would let go of the things that are confining us, that are dragging us down, and that are trying to make us something we are not. Lord, I pray that the power of God would be in this place so heavily that when we leave this place, we leave with that power inside of us. That we would no longer be held down by the constraints of this world. That we no longer be held down by the powers of the enemy. But that we would go forth as a flowing, powerful seed of God at the very seed that was implanted in us, that we would be called children of God, that we would begin to speak that seed into the lives of others. I ask, Lord, that you would come and that you would fall afresh in this place and that you would reveal to us your life and your ways. In Jesus' name. And they all said, Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to start out today in Matthew 5, verse 9. And in this, this chapter is called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus starts out in this sermon with the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are nothing more than a starting out of blessed are those that do this and this. And we're just going to read one of the excerpts of the Beatitudes today. Chapter 5, verse 9. It says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So we see that peacemaking is something that that is high in the kingdom of God. Because it says that those that are peacemakers will be called sons of God. That's not a light statement. Peacemakers is someone that has the ability to go into a conflict or a resolution and do something about that. Put peace where peace does not reside. Put peace into a place where peace isn't. There's a big difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. We'll get into that a little later, but right now I just want to put that out there. That peacekeeping is something that you're trying to keep peace. And peacekeeping involves compromise. Where peacemaking is taking something that God has given you and putting it into the lives of others. What is peace? Peace is the presence of righteousness. True peace produces a relationship that brings enemies together. Peace drives out fear. Where peace is, fear can't reside. It can't reside. Because the peace overcomes fear. The peace of God. There are several different types of peace. 
But what about how do we have peace in a world that is so corrupt, that is so changing all the time, that, that is always moving in a different direction, and we, we see corruption and we see destruction all over us? In 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We are at war. In the Christian walk today, we take it too lightly. We think that it's just a Humpty Dumpty great old walk through the forest and the flowers in the field. But it is not. This is not a playground. This is not a place that we are at ease It's not a game. It's not something that we walk into and just have no care in the world. But we are at war. And I I just got back from from two weeks of training because I'm in the National Guard. And we just spent our annual training at Fort McCoy. And I spent two weeks diligently training for war. And I'm going to tell you right now that the world is warring around us. That we have to prepare to war against that war. And to prepare for war means putting on some some armor. It means putting on battle-ready gear. It means having a thought process and understanding that there is a battle going on before you. And then if I am not ready for the battle, I'm I'm not going to make it. I have soldiers under me that all the time think it's just a game, think that this is just another training event. We're just out here, and it's going to be over in two weeks, and it doesn't really matter. But I was trying to drive into them that, you know, this might seem like a game to you, but if those are real bullets coming out of those guns, you would be dead right now. And if we don't have the ability to be prepared for what the enemy is throwing at us, he is going to tear us down. He is going to overcome us because we are not strong in the word of God. We are not strong in what God has called us to be. Our identity drives us forward into who we are. We are soldiers for the armies of the almighty God. And if we do not live that way, we will be overcome. If we live as just people walking around like, yeah, it's all right, it's all good. You just do your thing, I'm going to do my thing. And we don't effectively try to change other people's lives for the good. We will be overrun by them. There's nothing worse than walking in the field with an enemy and he turns around and shoots you in the face. Because that's what he's going to do. And that's the way we're living today. We are living in that realm. We are playing with death and we are playing with fire. Because it's too hard for us to go and walk into a place and speak the word of God because we think that we are going to be looked down upon. We think that we are going to be judged for what we're doing. We think that we won't be able to have the ability to relate to people. We think that our friends are going to leave us and those things are going to fall away and we're not going to have the things that the world calls us to have. We're not going to have the beautiful houses. We're not going to have the expensive cars because we're giving all of our money to church. We're not going to have these things. But yet God is calling us to a higher level. He's not calling us to be of this world because he didn't plant us as the world. He planted us in the world. He created us to be in this world, but not of it, so that we would effectively change it. Hallelujah. i got to get to the next point. We are at war. Psalm 126-7 says, Too long has my soul had its dwelling with those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. You ever been overwhelmed by the corruption around you? You've been, you, have you ever become weary 
by the amount of interaction from other people, the amount of destruction that's around you? Have you ever been overwhelmed and, be, and become weary by the world? People tearing you down, people telling you this, people telling you you're not that. Finances tearing at you left and right. People trying to take every advantage of you that you can, and you just can't seem to get anywhere. You're overwhelmed. That's kind of what this verse is talking about. But there's hope in this verse. It says, too long has my soul had its dwelling with those who hate peace. Too long have I been around people who hate peace. Too long have I been the only one trying to uphold something, and I just don't seem like I can uphold it anymore. Too long have I been around people that hate peace. And then it says, I am for peace. That is a declaration of who I am. That is a declaration that, this, that being around those that hate peace is not going to define who I am. That no matter how bad it gets, that no matter how overwhelmed I feel, I am for peace. And then it says that they are for war. And those around us are for war. Those around us don't like to hear us speak peace into their, into their lives. And what is peace? Peace is nothing more than the truth of God. It's, the, it's, it's Jesus Christ. And those around us don't like to hear the truth. Why? Because the truth tells them that they are convicted, that they are uh, in, in a place of not being justified, that they are sinful, just like we are sinful, just like I am sinful. We speak truth in the people's lives because they have to rely on Jesus Christ to bring them out. And this world does not want to rely on anyone but themselves. They want to be justified by themselves. They want their works to bring them through. They want to, to be able to brag and to be able to tell people that it was them that brought them through. They want to be able to tell people that it wasn't Jesus Christ. They don't have the humbleness of heart to get down on their knees, to walk on their face and get down before the Lord and get down before people around them and tell them that I can't do it. I'm not strong enough. I can't, I can't go another foot. And give their lives to God. They don't have the ability to do that. And so when you start speaking peace and truth in their lives that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, they say, well, I got a way to heaven. It's through my good works. It's through my ability to touch people in their lives. It's my ability to give. It's my ability to go and volunteer. Those are all good things, but without Jesus Christ, they are nothing. The world will war with us because it wants to do what it wants to do. And it doesn't want to be told that they have to rely on someone else or something else. And so they will war with us. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30, Jesus explains a parable talking about the wheat and the tares. And I just want to read that to you this morning. It says, Jesus presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. He sowed good seed in his field. But while the, this, his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, do you not, did you not sow good seed? In your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No. For while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest, and in the time of the harvest I will say to the reapers, First gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up. But gather the wheat into my barn. 
What does this mean? How does this have anything to do with being a peacemaker in a world at war? I had the same question when the Lord told me this verse. I was like, Lord, what does this have to do with being a peacemaker in a world at war? And he began to reveal to me that as we are planted as a seed, see, the sower is the son of God, the son of man. He is the sower. We are the seeds, and the field is the world. We are the seeds of the kingdom. We are the seeds of the kingdom of God planted in this world, in the field. And all the way back into Genesis, when man was planted for the first time, Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were planted for the first time. And the enemy came, and he planted a tear. And he questioned Adam and Eve on whether God's will to have them not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil was actually what he wanted them to do. And that tear was planted, and it began to sprout in their lives. And they went, and they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that was the first tear planted in this world. And now today I can tell you that we see tears all around us. That even as we are, were planted as wheat, the tears of the enemy are sprouting and they're growing with us and they're all around us and that corruption of the world stands and it tries to show us, it tries to, to take our eyes off of the fact that we are wheat. See, the enemy came and he planted a tear to corrupt the field. Why? Because he couldn't corrupt the seed. See, the seed is incorruptible. The seed that God has planted in you, that maybe it hasn't even sprouted in your life yet, is incorruptible. It cannot be corrupted. But the only thing the enemy could do was come along and corrupt the field. And if he corrupted the field and the tares grew up in the field, then your eyes would begin to see the corruption of the field. And instead of looking at the seed that you were bearing, you are now looking at the field. And your focus has now become the corruption around you instead of the truth in you. And the world tears us down and pulls us because our focus is no longer the power of God. The focus is no longer the truth that stands inside of us. God has shown me so much just in this, in this passage of really what it means to grow as a seed, a seed of God. To grow is something that God has planted. Because I, I can tell you right now, that I remember in my life, before I actually ever came out of the ground, see, God has given me this picture, and hopefully he will give me the ability to, to share this picture with you. But we start out as a seed. I started out as a seed buried deep in the ground, in the dirt of my affliction, in the dirt of my humanity, in the dirt of everything that I started from. And until God shone that light, see, the way a seed grows is by water and light. And when the light comes and, if, and it shines down on the dirt and the affliction and the seed begins to grow, see, when I started to, to reach out and, and, and try to touch God, that's when I started to grow because I started to reach out of the dirt of my affliction like a plant comes out of the dirt and it's trying to find the light because it knows that the light is where it needs to go because that's where it can grow and that's where it can overcome and that's where it can get out of the dirt of its affliction and become something, a child of God. And as I grew, as I came out of that dirt, as I came out, as that seed began to grow fruit, I'm a farmer at heart and I know a lot about agriculture. And when that plant grows up and the seeds begin to form on it, that plant grows and those seeds are multiplied by a lot. Usually you plant probably two bushels to the acre of seed when it comes to like wheat. And your harvest is somewhere around, it can be up to 80 
sometimes even 90 bushels an acre. Talk about a turnaround. But see, the problem is, is if we let the corruption of the enemy continue to speak into our lives and overwhelm us, what it does is it, does, it can't corrupt the seed, but it can weaken the plant by taking the nutrients from the plant so that we become weak, so that our, that our fruit isn't as many. That we're not able to actually produce what God has called us to produce because we're overwhelmed by the, by the nutrients being, being taken away and by what our focus is. And then we are not as effective. And he tears us down, not by corrupting us, by corrupting the world around us. And I feel like we have a decision to make as a plant with all these seeds on it that we've got to come to a point where we begin to shake a little bit. Where we begin to shake so those seeds begin to fall off. Because that very seed that you were planted with, the very seed that God put inside of me, was a peacemaking seed. It was a seed that came from Jesus Christ. It was a seed that allowed me to grow into who I am in Christ Jesus. The identity that I have now today is not Sam Kart, it is now Christ Jesus. And I stand in the identity of the seed that was planted in my life. And when I begin to shake, I begin to plant, I begin to, to shake off the seeds, the fruit that is on the plant. See, when that, when that plant gets ripe and the shells open up and that plant begins to shake in the wind, and if it's allowed to be ripened enough, it begins, the seeds begin to fall off and it falls into the ground again. And everything that is caught in the affliction of the dirt and the dust of the earth begins to grow again. And by my, my peacemaking ability, by speaking into the lives of others, by telling people about Jesus Christ, by being a loving heart, by being a loving soul, by just loving people for who they are and where they're at, being able to listen, being able to speak. Sometimes you don't say anything at all, and just the way you live is the biggest seed you can plant. It's the biggest peacemaking seed you can plant. And by doing that, those seeds sprout, and new, new wheat comes. Because the very seed that you're dropping is the very seed that God planted in the field to begin with. And when that new sprout comes up, there's more wheat and more wheat and more wheat. And the enemy today is trying to keep up with his tares. But I tell you what, if we become the real peacemaking uh, people that God has called us to be in this world that's trying to war against us, in this world that's warring against itself, we will have so much wheat that it will begin to choke out the tear. See, because when the enemy planted the wheat, he wanted to choke the wheat out. Because whatever is more powerful, which whatever has more in that field is going to begin to take the sunlight and the water and it's going to begin to choke out the plant beside it. But if we begin to plant seeds of peacemaking ability, we begin to plant seeds of Jesus Christ, those seeds will begin to sprout new, new, new stems of wheat and the field will become filled with wheat and the tares won't be able to keep up and will block out the sunlight from the tares. pretty powerful stuff really that God allows us to plant the very seed that he put inside of us for me to, to be able to just speak into life of someone that's going through hurt and pain I had several soldiers over these last two weeks that have had people die that have have family members with cancer and and they're just broken they're, they're broken hearted and I was able to just come alongside them and ask them how they're doing and just talk with them and be, have the ability to just speak into their lives a little bit. And I can't tell you that any one of them came to Jesus Christ, but I can tell you right now that they know that I care. And by the fact that they know that I care, they understand that this world isn't just about hating on those and, and, and self-seeking. But there are some people out there 
that are willing to reach out to others, that are willing to touch the lives of others. That it's not just about death and destruction, but it's about life. And it's about calling others to that life. It's so easy to be overwhelmed with the death around us. It's so easy to let that death become our identity and be overwhelmed with what the world is trying to put on us. It's so easy. But with a peacemaking mentality, with, with, with carrying the seed of Jesus Christ, peace is so powerful. It says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, so he is the seed of peace. When he, he did the very same thing, he came and he was planted and he died. How do, we, how do we do peace in this world? How do we become a peacemaker in a world like this? There's a passage in Ephesians 6, 11 through 17. Chapter 6, 11 through 17. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm. Therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you are able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. In this passage, Paul is talking about how we war. What it takes to war in this world. What it takes to to be effective in this world. As a soldier, you don't go out to war with nothing on. Because you'll have nothing to stop the arrows or the darts of the enemy. You go out With armor, you put armor on. You put a certain type of boots on. You put a certain type of uniform on. You put a helmet on. You make sure all these pieces are held together. And every one of these pieces that Paul talks about in Ephesians, the armor of God, has to do with the peace and the truth of the Word of God. Every one of them. It is what holds everything together. And I like to think as you walk out of your house in the morning when it says put on the, the shoes or the gospel of peace, that you're putting on the foundation of peace before you leave your house in the morning because you know as soon as you close that door behind you, there is corruption and destruction waiting for you. And if, if your foundation is not the peace of God, you will crumble. These are the things that we have to put on. How do we put on these things? It's through prayer. It's through, it's through reading God's word. It, they're different types of warfare things. We don't take up uh, uh, M4 or M16 with bullets in it. We don't take up a sword and physically swing it before people. But we put on the, the, the weapons of our warfare are not of this world. They are of God. It is prayer. The biggest weapon you have is prayer. By the words that you speak, you are speaking into lives. You are calling people forth. You are calling the enemy out. And you are allowing God to to move in the spiritual realm. That is one of the biggest weapons that you have. And then it talks about the sword of the Spirit and how you yield the sword of the Spirit. And these are just, these are ways that we can identify with what Paul is talking about here in the spirit realm. Physical things so that we can understand what the spiritual things look like. We take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and we swing it before the enemy. And we, we, we speak Scripture. And when the Scripture goes forth, it says it divides between bone and marrow, spirit and soul. 
sharp as a two-edged sword. That is how we overcome corruption and destruction in this world is by girding ourselves up with the armor of God, is by putting on his word, is by identifying ourselves in, in his word that who we are is a seed of God, a peacemaker of God, a child of God, someone that is called out of the darkest areas of this world. If God, came, if God was able to save me, he can save you. If God was able to put peace into my life, he can put peace in your life. If God was able to call me out of the darkest places of this world, he definitely can call you out of the darkest places of this world. There's no partiality with God. It doesn't matter how far you've gone away from him. It doesn't matter what kind of deep hole you're in. It doesn't matter what you feel like in the morning. It doesn't matter what you feel like at night. It doesn't matter what you're doing at night. God's calling you right now, right here in this place to be a seed of peace. And he wants to see you become that plant that plants more seeds. Peacemakers are not peacekeepers. If you got nothing out of what I just said, we are at war. (laughs) Peacemakers are not compromisers. A peacekeeper will compromise to the world around it so it doesn't bring up conflict. Peacemakers deal with conflict. Peacekeepers avoid conflict. Peacemakers demonstrate deep love for others Peacekeepers demonstrate great love for themselves. Because if they can avoid conflict, then it's better on them. If they can just keep the peace, whatever it takes to keep the peace, then I don't have to worry about having the hurt in my life because nobody's going to be mad at me. I'll just agree with them and it'll all be okay. I'm going to keep the peace. Peacemakers are proactive and peacekeepers are reactive. There's a big difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. A peacemaker speaks peace into conflict. Peacekeepers just try and smooth over what they can and agree. They don't change things. Being a part of the United States Army is something that I, that I don't take lightly. Because the United States Army is pretty awesome. It's, it's, it's one of the armies, the few armies of this world that actually goes out not to war with other nations, just to war with other nations, to, to dominate them, to be a higher power, to be overwhelmingly powerful and, and, and take other people down and put them under their feet. But the United States wars to liberate people, to free them. That is the main reason for war in the United States. And I want you to know that this is the reason God calls us to be peacemakers. It's to bring people not into destruction, And not under our feet, but to bring peace into their lives so that they can be free. Because when you see the world around you and you begin to identify yourself with the destruction and the hold downs of the enemy, you become confined by him. Chains begin to shackle you to the world. Understandings begin to shackle you to the identities of what people are calling you. But see, the seed of Christ, Jesus, frees us from that. We don't have to be held to this world. Because we are called to the kingdom. Peacemakers in a world at war. What does this mean for us as a church? What does this mean for us as a church? Being a peacemaker doesn't mean we are passive and let people walk all over us. A peacemaker stands up for what is right. We need to stand up for what is right. We go and we vote. We go and, we, and we're against abortion and things like that. 
We have to stand up for what is right. We can't let the enemy come in and just tell us how it's going to be. You know what's so cool about being a soldier of Christ? Is we're not warring for victory. Because victory is already ours. We don't have to worry about winning this battle. We've already won it. There is nothing more satisfying than going out to war knowing that you have already won. You don't have to fear the enemy because you think you're going to get defeated. You don't have to be in a place of fear because you think you're going to be overwhelmed. But you can walk in victory. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We have already won. Let that be your war cry. Let it be your war cry that victory is yours. Just tell the enemy right in his face when he's trying to tell you who you are. Victory is mine. I am a child in Christ Jesus. I am whole in his name. I can be called nothing else. The victory is already mine. They can kill your body, but they'll never be able to take your spirit. (laughs) I love that. It means we are committed to work through conflict that may arise. Instead of just writing people off. We can't just write people off. We have to commit ourselves to being able to work through conflict. One of the the biggest things I can think of in this is a marriage. And it's probably one of the most difficult things sometimes to just, instead of just write the, the person that you're married to off and be like, well, let's just get a divorce. Let's just walk away from this. Neither one of us are happy. This isn't working. This, this, you know, you, you used to make me happy. I used to like you. All this stuff. And you just write that person off and you say, let's just get a divorce. It's too easy. Uh, let's just cut this thing off and I'll go find something that makes me happy. It's too easy. That's what we do as a people. Even in conflict at work. I'm just going to go get a different job. This job, isn't, this job isn't making it for me. There's too many people. They're, they're making me feel hard. They, they make me feel bad. They make me feel like I'm an idiot. You know, they do all these things. They tear me down. My, my boss is, is hard on me. I, I just can't seem to get anywhere. And we just write people off. We begin to, to compromise to the world around us. And we think that the next job is going to be better than the one we're at. We think that the next spouse is going to be better than the one we're at. But we're not. They're not. We cannot compromise to these things. We cannot just write this stuff off. We can't just say, well, I believe in the word of God, but right now in this moment it just doesn't stand right now. Because that's false. That's a lie of the devil. This word stands forever, from the beginning of creation to the end of creation, and forevermore. He says that he is the alpha and the omega. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And to him there is no beginning, and to him there is no end. Time does not constrain God. That has to be how we feel about his word. That has to be how we walk in the the presence of God. That has to be how we walk in the identity of God. That nothing can sway us from who we are, because we know that this lasts forever. This world will pass away. It will go away. And we will be left with nothing if our treasures are in the world. But if we put our treasures in Christ, if we put our treasures in God, if we put our treasures in who he calls us to be, if we put our treasures into into becoming peacemakers of this world. See, there's too many people just trying to war right now. There's too many people just just seeking their own right now. I can tell you right now that it just seems like the tares are winning. And I know that the tares, see, that's a falsehood too because don't believe that because I just told you that we have the victory. The victory is already ours. We are warring not to win. We are warring because we have the victory. But we need to take as many people with us as we can 
We need to bring up as many, as many stems of wheat as we can. Romans 14, 19 says, Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by, one, by which one may edify another. Pursue the things that make for peace. If you're pursuing things that don't make you peaceful, then they're probably not peaceful things. They're probably things of this world. So often we can be overwhelmed with, with things around us because we are pursuing them because the world is saying that you need this. Or the world is saying that you need more friends and, more, and a better job and more money and, and a bigger house and a, bigger, and a nicer car. The world's telling us all these things. We are pursuing things that don't cause peace. Pursue God and all those things will come. Pursue God. And even if those things don't come, you'll still have peace. Peacemakers lead others to have peace. With God, peacemakers are willing to do the tough things. It's dealing with conflict in healthy ways, following the biblical principles. Following the principles that God lays out before us. If it doesn't align with the characteristics and aspects of who God is, then it's probably not a biblical way to deal with peace. Peacemaking is a process of creating a settlement between the disputing parties, in this case between God and man. I love this. Remember, God did not walk away from man. It was man that walked away from God. Maybe you walked away this morning. Maybe you've known God at one point in your life. And you just decided that you couldn't do it anymore. And you walked away from Him. Maybe you thought serving the world was going to be more productive for you. Maybe you thought that having uh, more friends was going to be more productive for you, that it would take away uh, the hardships of this world, that it would take away the hurt. But getting rid of a wife or a husband and, and seeking someone else would take away the hurt and the pain and would make things easier. Getting rid of the job and going to a different job would make things easier. You just run away from God, what God has called you to. You run away from the identity that God has put inside of you. Each and every one of you has a seed, whether you've been living godly way or not. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard anything about God. Maybe it's the first time. Maybe you don't even know who Jesus is. And this is the first time that you're hearing this. I'm telling you right now that you have a seed inside of you, a peacemaking seed, a seed of wheat that God has planted, and he is just waiting for you to start reaching to him to start calling out to him this morning. See, Jesus didn't run and hide. When Jesus came to this earth, he came as the son of man. And he came to free us, the corrupted tares. He came as a wheat. Jesus, Jesus talked about, he said, as a, as a grain of wheat dies and falls off of the plant and falls into the ground, it has to die before it can grow. And Jesus did that. He came and he lived 30 years on this earth. And he came and he was, he was afflicted and he was, he was persecuted as a sinner even though he was completely pure. And he became sin for us. He became sin for us. He died to himself. He then died on the cross, was buried in the ground. And three days later, he rose. And he didn't rise as nothing. He rose as salvation so that we could rise. So that we could become the same thing that he was in the identity of Jesus Christ. We were made whole and complete. And when we reach to him and we say, Father, I believe in you. Father, 
forgive me of my sins. Make me whole again. Come and live inside of me. It is then that we begin to grow and we break forth into the light of God. And he makes us new. Before Jesus died, he was at the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was praying to the Father, if you could take this cup from me, take it. Because he knew that what it was going to take to die that horrible death and to be buried and to rise again and that the father was turning his face from him but yet he did it and the hymn Jesus one powerful grain of wheat one powerful stalk of God over 500 Roman soldiers <laughs> ready for battle over 500 Roman soldiers ready for battle. In their battle attire with their swords. And crowds around them. And they said, we seek Jesus Christ. Son of, Na- the, the son of man, or the son of Nazareth. However that went. I might have just completely screwed that up. But we said, we, they said, we seek Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus, in the power of who he was, said, I am he. And the entire cohort that came to get him fell on the ground. That is the power that is in you. And all you have to do is reach for him. That is the power that is in you. He died and rose again. He became a wheat seed, died and rose up so that he could plant us, so that we could cry out to him so that we could be effective in this world. And he has gone unto heaven because now we are the plants that he has put in this world. We are the plants that are seated in the field. And when we become the peacemakers of God, we plant other plants. See, he calls us to the same thing he did, that we have to become a grain of wheat. We have to die to ourselves and rise in the likeness of him. Jesus is calling you today. God is calling you today. Maybe this is completely foreign to you. Maybe this is something you've never heard before. But we are all sinners. We have all known what it is to be corrupt and to be broken and to be hurt. And I can tell you right now that I was in that place when I called out to God. He began to repair those areas. He began to give me peace in areas of fear. He began to allow me to operate in his likeness and his image and not my own. And he wants the same for you this morning. If this is something that you desire, something that that God is stirring in your heart this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to reach out to him, to begin to, to reach for the light that is above the affliction and destruction that you're in right now. It's extremely simple. It's nothing more than a prayer. It's nothing more than an acknowledgement of who God is and what he did for you. And if you desire that here this morning, I want you to pray along with me. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to do anything out of the ordinary. But I'm going to ask you to simply say a prayer, to simply start reaching for the light. And if you want to raise your hand, I encourage you to raise your hand. If you want to stand up, I encourage you to stand up. If you want to come up to the altar of God and stand before Him, I encourage you to do that. Do not hold back. 
God wants to put light in your life so that you can begin to grow. And maybe you're, you're a wheat stalk that has known who God was, but you're weak in the corruption of the world. And you're breaking at the stem. I'm calling you to do the same thing this morning. I'm going to say a prayer, and I just want you to say it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you come into my life. I acknowledge you as my Savior. I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I acknowledge that I am broken. And Lord, I ask that you would come and repair my life. I thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness of my sins. And I ask that you would come in right now and make me a new creation and help me to grow. I ask, Lord, that you would allow me to be the seed that you've called me to be. Help me to be a peacemaker in this time of war. In Jesus' name. And they all said, Amen. I thank you. If you have prayed that for the first time, I am going to encourage you that we will have prayer team up here after service to come and seek prayer. Because it all comes along into the growth of that seed, into the growth of that plant. If this is the first time that you've accepted Christ into your, into your life, He is going to begin to change you. And I just want to encourage you to pursue God with everything that you have. Don't let the world identify who you are. And become peacemakers. Begin to plant seeds in this world that's warped against us and itself. Let's worship God in this place today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.